Well, welcome to my guest today to discuss the headlines. RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Stephen. Hope you're having a wonderful day. And Ben Emon, Senior Portfolio Manager at New Edge Wealth. Good morning, Ben. Good morning. Thank you for having us. No, thank you both for joining us. Uh, let's start off with the oil, what everyone seems to be talking about. There seems to be a lot of panic in the markets that oil will hit $100. Um, not sure why, other than it's a very round number. How does the oil price impact global economics? Is it just the impact it has on inflation, Ben? It could be. I mean, it's coming through a headline inflation already in the United States, and it will also show up uh, soon in, in the UK and Europe and elsewhere that are really reliant on, on oil imports. You know, you think of Japan, for example, is a very uh, heavily energy importer. So I think headline will be higher, but people have looked at this saying, although that could indeed lead to, again, a bit of a resurgence of inflation, it's not the same as what we experienced last year. That was a real shock. This was just more of an adjustment of price to the tightening of oil supply. And therefore, expectations have not changed a whole lot, whether it's in the market or in these surveys that we put out. For example, the Michigan survey last week is actually lower in inflation expectations, despite the gas prices already went up over the last sort of month. So I expect inflation will be impacted, but it may not be the same as what we saw last year. So, Barry, I, I guess the impact on the economy would depend on how much oil the economy uses. Well, and uh, you're right, but things are pretty steady here when you've got uh, two, two and a half percent economic growth. I think uh, Ben has got a very savvy technical analysis of this. Let's not forget, however, that uh, the oil price did touch $107 in March of 22. It's probably averaged something like $70 this year. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit, it plunged all the way down to $23 briefly. So you've got a situation that currently the oil price seems to be particularly volatile. And indeed, it's a volatile commodity anyway. To be worried about its impact on economic growth globally, as well as inflation, I think we've got to see more consistency of a high price. You know, so far we've been in the 80s, now we're talking in the 90s, and talk of going to 100, but at the moment, I'll bet Ben would agree with me, we're not terribly concerned at this time. Okay, fair enough. Now, there's another impact on the economy, particularly the US economy, which is the strikes at the big three automotive companies. How are those strikes impacting the US economy, Barry? So far, almost not at all. You know, it's limited to the industrial action that's been taken in three plants, one outside of Kansas City, another in Toledo, Ohio, and a third outside of Detroit. Now, Friday, the UAW, the Auto Workers Union, says that it will expand the strike if there's been no settlement reached. And the expectation is that there won't be a settlement because the two sides seem to be quite far apart. But as to its impact on the economy, Stephen, it will have an impact if this strike goes on, if it spreads. And already, the major Detroit companies are having to lay off people because they can't get engines and transmissions from these affected plants. But 
look at the share price. The share price of GM, Stellantis, and Ford today, that's Tuesday, they were higher. Now, they've been lower over the past week as we went into this strike, which is now in its fifth day. So I'm, I'm somewhat relaxed about oil as I am about the auto workers union. I think that uh, we have to wait to see if a trend is developing here. And in the case of the auto union, if it's going to continue or if it's going to come to a settlement. So we have a relaxed Barry. How about you, Ben? Well, I would agree with Barry. Um, you know, I think the, the so-called ripple effect from, you know, shutting down one of those plants and then meaning a strike at one of those plants and then another plant actually has to shut down because it relies on the plant that is striking. Uh, you know, that ripple effect obviously is in the, in the local economy in, for example, Michigan. Um, now, what we will see is that the people who are on strike, which are, I believe, around 12, 13,000 people, they will be counted in the BLS strike report, and that will be as part of the calculation for the non-fund payrolls next month. Now, why does this matter is because those non-fund payrolls have been so strong, and so a strike like this could impact the headline and could change a little bit expectations, believe it or not. But to Barry's point, like the broader impact on the economy is to be seen. You know, the estimates are of about five billion hit to the economy from you know a broad big strike at UAW. We have the strike in California, the Hollywood Hollywood strike, that's costing California mm. economy by five billion. Correct. That is locally in LA a lot of effects from that, but not nationwide. So it will take a lot more. I think that if the UAW goes on and you're getting, for example, Kaiser Permanente, that's called, you know, at least voted for a big strike. There's another 60,000 people. And, and you saw some news out on airlines, the flight attendants, you know, tending to strike too. You get a little bit of that 70 story of the seller ball strike, which is, you know, that was basically across the entire economy. That would be a different story. I don't think we're there just yet. So, but that it is a big strike and that it could affect production of autos and that it affects auto parts and that those auto parts are calculated into a CPI number and that that therefore could notch up CPI a little bit. Yeah, those are effects we should account for. Okay. Barry, how do you think... Oh, sorry, go on, on, please. uh, If I can just follow from what Ben is saying, I think he's got it exactly right. This, um, This business is a delicate problem for President Biden. He has come out and said, you know, the companies need to give more to the union. Well, don't forget, this is a very successful union in terms of getting wages, benefits, retirement, health care. So uh, if the strike goes on and um, if there's no settlement, that is, then I think the president will have to take a stand one way or another. I mean, so far he's endorsing the union. But here's Donald Trump, the, the presumed Republican candidate, as he fights off all these four indictments for jail, saying, you know, I'm on the side of these auto workers. In other words, agreeing with the president. And the auto workers today had to come right out and say, oh, no, we don't want your help. Uh, you're a billionaire and we're fighting billionaires. This, of course, points to the Achilles heel of the auto companies. Their executives, that means the CEOs at the top, getting 20 to $35 million in pay and benefits in 2022. That gives a powerful tool to the union because it's almost impossible to justify that kind of remuneration for auto executives. 
very interesting how Biden and Trump are agreeing of this on the striking workers side as well. Quite incredible. Um, so these two things going on, Barry, the automotive companies striking and the price in oil, could this in any way impact Fed expectations? Well, not for tomorrow. I mean, as we get to the Wednesday decision by the Federal Reserve, almost everyone expects that uh, there will be no change. I mean, Ben is a market man. He can give me the latest in terms of what uh, the analysts are saying. But the problem becomes, what about in November? What about in December? The Fed has already indicated earlier this year that they thought another rate increase is going to be justified. They're going to be data-driven. So if the economy slows down because of the strikes or because of the inflationary impact of higher gasoline prices, then maybe they would hold off. Otherwise, if the economy remains strong and the inflation rate remains sticky at above 3%, then I think we have to be ready for another rate increase, but not tomorrow. Well, Ben, what, what do you think? I am reading, actually, a couple of analysts that are now not so sure there will be no rate rise tomorrow. What are your thoughts? Well, the Fed has signaled that they you know, will skip this meeting that's been in different speeches and really set by people who are voting. So it would be a surprise if they hike tomorrow. But you can make the fundamental case that they may should, not just because of this UAW strike and oil prices, but really because the economy has shown such strength over the summer. And I think that is the big focus tomorrow for the markets, is what is the Fed going to put out in its forecast for GDP for this year and next year? And as you can tell from expectations that, you know, we've had almost 150 base points of rate cuts priced at some point this year for next year. And as in the end of next year, 150 base points of cuts, that's completely taken back to something like 60 base points of cuts. And that has everything to do with the economy surprising, you know, including the Fed. And they have to now acknowledge in that forecast that there's more strength and therefore what people then will look for is that in your rates forecast, the top lots, we say, the median of that top lot for this year will probably still show this hike, but there could also be one for next year, or at least, you know, that, that looks like a hike until they've eventually cut rates. And that may not be as much as what they forecasted before, you know, but in June they put out a forecast that they thought they could make cut rates by 100 base points next year. That may be very different tomorrow. So I think in describing these technical mechanics here, the expectations for the Fed are still that the Fed will go to a higher rate and keeps that, keep that rate high to control inflation. But we may have to go higher, as Barry says, like you have forces now that may lead you to that path simply because you have already a strong economy and then you're getting a UAW strike and oil prices that could affect inflation. So I think that the Fed is not done by far enough. It's just for tomorrow they have... You know, most people have uh, signals, but most people in the Fed have signaled this is a skip. But as Laurie Logan from the Dallas Fed said, skipping is not stopping. So I think that that uh, is clearly in the mind of the markets. So, Ben, a lot of people are saying high rates, rates are the new normal. Um, and, you know, they will probably never go back to the low rates that we had um, in, in the recent history, you know, like the last two to three to four years. Um, do you agree with that? So that's, a, that's, on the one hand, a very simple conclusion, right? Like, you know, if you go back in time, we ended up at a zero bound after the financial crisis, and there was a lot of talk about it 
pre- in the previous decade about the Fed may at some point hit the zero bound like Japan because of dealing with deflation, risk of deflation. And we're now not in that environment where the actually opposite. We have higher inflation and it's likely going to stay much higher than where the Fed wants it to be, meaning the Fed's target. And so that the rate will be higher. So the markets have been pricing this in somewhere now around 4 to 4.5% of a funds rate for a longer period of time. But it remains to be seen, right, because we are coming out of an exogenous shock, the pandemic that causes inflation, including then another shock from Ukraine. And as you can tell, the energy markets are upended. So there continues to be these shocks currently that at some point ebb out. And then what is the, the aftermath of that? Many people point to that we're still in an environment what we call the new normal from pre-pandemic, which was low growth, you know, uh, demographics are aging, lots of debt outstanding, lower productivity. All those ideas are not necessarily gone. You know, the secular stagnation ideas from Larry Summers. But what we're dealing with currently is an economy that's well above potential because we, we did so much stimulus that we pushed into the economy. It just takes yes. time for that economy to truly get back to, to, to a trend, right? And that's why we are not there. That's why that rate has to stay higher. But whether we go back to the zero bounds, that really depends, I think, on how ultimately inflation gets back to target or below. You know, the zero bound is about deflation. Clearly, we're not in deflation. Right? We're in a higher inflation environment. Barry, a few final remarks for you as we come up to the news. <laughs> well, I'll tell Hint. you, Stephen, <laughs> you know, never say never. Never say never. You never know with an economy. I mean, we this whole business of, um, you know, quantitative easing and quantitative tightening, the Fed, central banks have a lot of power. So um, I agree with what Ben's analysis, I think he's got it spot on. Well, uh, Ben and Barry, thank you very much for discussing the headlines with us today. Ben and Barry sounds like an ice cream company. That's Ben Emmons, Senior Portfolio (laughs) Manager. Maybe you should start one at New Edge Wealth and our very own Barry Wood.